go back to our old lives when there is something new and better waiting for us. It's a human tendency that we're gonna tackle as we go through our new series, Red, White, and Deja Vu. Let's hop in now and see what this week's message is. stage design incredible like do y'all love it we uh we put it together last night uh just on a whim and uh no we actually didn't there's this play man of lamucci uh but they provided me this sweet intro uh that i just found out like before like as we were setting up they were like yo there's stairs and you can actually use them and so like like life goal like walk in on a like walking on the stage from a thing of chairs, like stairs, like checked off. That's awesome. And uh, this past week, I uh, I took two days. I went up to New Hampshire and to take some time praying, and uh, and it was really really cool. I hiked a few, like forty thousand, not forty thousand, uh, four thousand. Yeah, I hiked Everest twice. Uh, hiked uh, hiked some mountains and prayed, and it was uh, pretty pretty uh, just incredible. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, and so I, uh, as I was away, like any, like any good spouse, you worry about how much money your spouse is going to spend as you're gone. And uh, so I called in all the credit cards stolen uh, because I was like, Ava might buy a new car. You never know. Or like we've been talking about tattoos. And so she's like, she might, I might come home and there's a new tattoo. Uh, and like we don't discuss that like from a theological standpoint. Like we've talked about that before. Now it's more like is it economical location of said tattoo, things of those. But I was like, maybe she's going to, I didn't actually call the credit cards in the stolen. That would be <laughs> completely ridiculous. But, uh, but you, you know, if you leave, you kind of wonder. My dad actually has bought in a truck as my mom was away one time. Uh, that was a fun uh, discussion. And, uh, but the reason tattoos for us isn't a theological discussion is because I've told you guys this before. Like, I married, I inherited tattoos with my wife. She has a, a fish on her foot. And, uh, and so we, but then she wanted another tattoo. She wanted Grace, and she went and she got that. And uh, while we were doing that, I had to, I went, I was like, I grew up in New Hampshire. Like, we, like, don't do that. Like, we are as straight-laced as they come, Baptist to the core. Like, this is not what a good Christian does. Uh, and so uh, we're, Ava and I were talking about that, and uh, I went to Pastor Ritter. If you guys know Pastor Ritter, he's from Bayside Chapel. He is uh, Dutch, as he uh, is self-proclaimed, and, uh, and well, not self-proclaimed, he just is. And, uh, and so, but he's very straight-laced. So I went to Pastor Ritter thinking, well, he's going to give me the endorsement I'm looking for. He's going to tell me that a good Christian shouldn't get a tattoo. And so I went and I talked to him, and he's like, yeah, it's not my personal preference, but there's nothing theologically wrong with it. Like, if someone wants a tattoo, as a Christian, they can go and get a tattoo. I just would take the Old Testament concept of not linking a tattoo to anything that could be taken as an idol. But if it's a godly Christian tattoo, why not? There's no theological reason for it. And I was like, nerds, Pastor Ritter! Like, you're not saying what I want you to say! And I was, I was like, okay, I better... I better listen. And don't we sometimes do that? Don't we have this pet project in our mind where we pick out the person that we think will endorse 
our thinking, we go to them and either they endorse it and they're just endorsing bad thinking or we go to them and they're endorsing or they're not endorsing a set of thinking that we're all of a sudden we're like, well, we better change the way that we're thinking. I had to change the way I was thinking because in my mind I was like, is, this a, is the whole tattoo argument something that I really, really want to fight? Like if I end my life and die and no one gets tattoos but they reject Jesus, is that a win? It's never a win because what, we, what happens is, is when we focus on things outside of Jesus, we lose sight of Jesus. When we make something that isn't Jesus the focus, we lose sight of Jesus. And that's what hap- is happening with Paul. He's, he's fighting this, this debate where these, this church in, uh, these churches in Galatia are going back to this old way of doing life. And now, now as, they're, as they're trying to add the old to the new, which is adding death, to new, decay to new, bringing death to life. You can't do that. As he's talking about that, they, they, brought in up, they brought up certain arguments that we looked at last week is he had to defend his own testimony. Why is he able to speak like this? And now, but that leads him open to another discussion. What if he's reaching Gentile people, non-Jewish people, and what if he's giving a, a, a gospel that is just watered down? Has he polluted the gospel message? Is this something, is, is this a weakened gospel message? It's a reasonable argument by these Judaizers, these Jewish Christians. And so Paul has to go through, through a portion of his story, a continuation of his story, to defend that this is his gospel message is one that the apostles in Jerusalem would say is a credible message. And so he will continue on, Galatians chapter 2, like this. Then after 14 years... We love Paul, right? Like, Paul's a big man of faith. He didn't turn Paul overnight, did he? <laughs> Fourteen years. Maybe you need to give yourself a little credit that you didn't be, you're not becoming who you want to become overnight. Maybe it's a process that takes time. So after 14 years, uh, I went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revolution. Why after 14 years? Because in, in Jerusalem, they have, they're under famine, and Jerusalem sent, sent word to all these different churches and said, hey, if your churches can't be generous, send us support because we're in the midst of a famine. So Paul has this revelation uh, in conjunction with this plea to, to go to Jerusalem, and he does. Uh, to show love and love from uh, Antioch, where he was at the time, and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, before them, this was private, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make uh, to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain, but even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was Greek. So last week we talked about how how Paul went to Jerusalem. Now he's back there. It's been 14 years. A lot has happened in the nature of the church. This scene works out perfectly. Just imagine we're in the streets of Jerusalem. That's why we put this together. And... uh, so, we're, so he's, a lot has happened. Paul has settled in Tarsus. He's in Tarsus, but then he got called to Antioch. He's helping this Gentile church in Antioch. So that's, that's one thing for Paul. Then you look at the church at large. Peter has gone to jail. He's been out of jail. He's had this vision where, where he's supposed to help Gentile believers, non-Jewish believers. He's supposed to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's like, but I can't eat their food, or they can't eat, like, like uh. and then he comes to terms with it. He helps out. He, he actually is used by God to lead Gentiles to Christ. So we have the first Gentile believers. The church is debating, can uncircumcised people become Christians? 
And there's this whole debate of, yeah, we shouldn't really make it hard for them to come to Jesus. Let's, let's accept them in and make Jesus the priority. And so this has already been a settled debate. Peter has already done this. There's already Gentile churches that Paul is working at. So this should be a settled matter. But for whatever reason, it's not in the churches of Galatia. So Peter, or I'm sorry, Paul, is called back to Jerusalem. He sees it as an opportunity to settle the matter once and for all. And so he comes because of a vision, but he brings some friends. And as, he, as he's there, he's looking to settle this matter in private. He could have made it a, a public festival, but he, he chose not to. He could have. All right. All right, so he brings Barnabas, who's, who's, a, who's a Jewish man, but known for being great as, as a conflict uh, resolver, if you will. But then he brings Titus. Titus, Titus is a Gentile. All right, so he is somebody that is a devout man of God. He's, he's turned from his Gentile ways, his non-Jewish ways, and now he's turned to God, to Jesus. He's uncircumcised, and so they bring Titus to force the issue of circumcision, and now this is going to be the debate. Imagine Titus is not um, compelled to cut off a piece of his body to be holy. And so imagine you're Titus sitting here as they debate this. Are they going to tell me that I, to be holy before God, that I have to cut off a piece of my body? And that they're, they're forcing this issue because circumcision for the Jewish person is the pinnacle of the faith. This is, this is the, the most, if, you, if you're going to be spiritual, this is the most spiritual thing you can do. You must go through this practice of circumcision to be set apart and holy before God. And so Paul, in his integrity for the gospel, is fighting. We can't make this the issue. We must fight for the gospel of Jesus Christ and make that the issue, force that to be the issue. So we may not cut a pieces of our body, but what does, what does legalism look like for you and I today? I've heard things like this said at Wellspring, that, oh, they're, they're a cool church and all, but you can't go there. They're not holy enough because their pastor wears sweatpants. I have never worn sweatpants on stage. Am I any less holy right now? Has anything changed about me spiritually? This is weird. But now it's on camera. People have said, well, you can't go there because of the way the, the pastor dresses or the way, the way they, they dress. They might share the gospel, but they're not, they're not holy. We've, we've had people that have said to us that we've, we play hip-hop as you walk in, or maybe we've done it at some specials and stuff. Because they're playing hip-hop, that doesn't sound Christian, so it's not holy. You can't go to said church, or people have left because of that. Remember that time where we gave away free gas and someone came to get our free gas and was saying to me, well, you're playing B-98-5. That's not holy. I'll take your free gas, but I would never come to your church because that's not holy. Be gone. My favorite was the time when we were at the Halloween parade giving out thousands of God loves you and so do we cards as we loved on our community. And someone coming up to us and, and offering us a bullhorn because we needed to declare the name of Jesus through a bullhorn instead of practical acts of kindness. 
Like, we, we may not be cutting away pieces of our body, but, but we can force things to be an issue that maybe shouldn't be an issue. Let me, let me, let me apply it this way. What about, what about Bible reading? Bible reading is a good thing, and we should be doing it. But here's the legalistic approach to make Bible reading your focus. What your approach should be is a, is a grace element that if someone's not reading their Bible, the, the Bible reading is a symptom to a deeper issue of the heart. The heart is the issue. So if you want to take a grace-filled approach to, to a Christian not reading their Bible, you can attack the symptom of Bible reading, or you can come alongside your fellow brother or sister in Christ and take a grace approach and say, how can I help you? How can I come alongside you with this one goal? Fall more in love with Jesus. Because if you're falling more in love with Jesus, the symptom will take care of itself because you will want to eat up God's word. You will want to live a holy life unto Jesus. You will want to be more like Jesus. You will want to be in his word if your heart is in the right place where you're in love with Jesus Christ. And so we do that far too often when we attack things from a legalistic approach. We attack the symptom when we should be attacking the heart. We can take good things to bad places. We can, we can take our preferences of music, dress, whatever. When, if we're focused on our heart, all that stuff seems to fade away. When my heart is in the right place, do I really care about those things that have been attacked, that we've been attacked, not attacked for, it's whatever, it's easy to ignore. But, but with comments that have been made to us, it's easy to ignore those things when, when the heart is in the right, right place. And so here's how the, the scripture goes on. He says, yet because the false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in, brought in who slipped in to spy out, that's in the Greek, that's military type language to spy, that has bondage here, there's, there's, this is warlike language, Paul is taking this very, very seriously, using that purposeful, that type of language, our, our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery to to them, for, uh, we did not yield in submission for even, even for a moment, I didn't give him an inch, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved in you. This is life and death for Paul. This is a battle that Paul is not willing to give an inch for. This is a battle that Paul is not going to be like, oh, you do your circumcision thing or don't do it, but I'm, I'm just going to go over here. I'll fight my battle. If you want to be over here fighting this whole circumcision thing, you fight that. No, Paul understands the integrity of the gospel is at hand, that if he loses this battle with these false brothers, that this sense of heresy is going to seek in with the church, that he must win this, that, that if, if, if they, if these pillars of the faith say that Paul, or that says that Titus needs to be circumcised, that, then the Judaizers have a huge win, and now all this works-based thinking is going to creep into the church. Paul is saying, I am going to fight this because I cannot let these Judaizers win. I will not give them even an inch. I am fighting for the freedom that is ours in Jesus Christ, where you and I don't have to work to earn God's favor, but we have God's favor through Jesus Christ, and now we get to live a life learning and growing to be more and more like him on a daily basis because we love him. And so back in the day, my brother is here visiting, which is really awesome. I really appreciate that. I'm the better looking of the two, and, uh, I say that because he's my brother, but uh, back
back in the day, we, we were boys growing up, and we had a shady side to us, like any, any dudes growing up had a shady side. And so we would have to hide things from our parents from time to time. Uh, since I was in New Hampshire hiking, I actually got a picture. Is it on there? Did I get it? Yeah, there's the shed. <laughs> uh, I won't tell you what my brother hid in there, but he some, that was his hiding place. He sometimes hid things in the shed, and now it's hopefully he didn't forget anything in there because my parents will listen to this and go check out the shed. But uh, that's where some of his shady stuff was sometimes hidden. I had like a, a, a false narrative, like a false drawer. Like I had a drawer with a fake bottom that I used to hide things in there, that the non-Christian things that my parents didn't approve of. And what was ironic, growing up in, in, a, in a strict Christian home, I sometimes had to hide in my fake drawer uh, Christian music. I had to hide, like, this band called The Grits. I sometimes had to hide DC Talk because in some of the churches we rolled with, like, they didn't sound holy, so we weren't allowed to listen to them, even though the lyrics were good. And uh, so I, I had to hide, like, KJ52, a, a hip-hop artist, and then I, I brought him to my church when I was a youth pastor, which was really cool. And I had, I had to hide these things because some of the circles that we rolled in made music such an issue that if it didn't sound Christian, it wasn't Christian. Music has a way of doing that, doesn't it? Music has a way of being a preference issue and a theological issue. You, you, can, look at, you can look at the issue of music and say, well, it's not, it's not my cup of tea. It's not what my preference is, so I don't like it. I'm going to make it then into a spiritual issue and, and, and get rid of it versus when, when music, what we really should be looking at is making it a theological issue is are the music is the lyric are the lyrics deep are they accurate uh, I don't really care about the sound as much as I care about am, am I singing and, 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 and praising God in truth and, and to me one of my favorite things we don't battle hymns here but there's gonna be a day when maybe our music starts to shift uh, shift a little bit but what's going to be true of our church always is lyrics that that are deep in theology and one of my favorite parts as your pastor is when I'm sitting in the front row and we're praising God and all of a sudden, I hear a deep song, a deep lyric come up on the screen about the, the, they thought the tomb was, they thought the grave, grave was his, his, his staying point, but all of a sudden, they, they were watching it in vain, and we, we erupt, or, or praise his name, or different songs that we sing, and all of a sudden, this, this lyrically deep uh, lyric comes on, and all of a sudden, we erupt in praise because the truth of the gospel is moving in us. We need to set our preferences aside to keep the main thing the main thing. For me, I've, I've heard it said here at times, I can't sit. Uh, I've heard it here, here said times like, well, well, what about praying with your eyes open? Can I, do I have to pray with my eyes closed? Is that a preference thing or a theological thing? Because is that really in the Bible? What about I've had a face-to-face -face conversation with an individual saying, I don't know if I could come to your church. It's not a KJV church. <laughs> what? Like, KJ, like, thou art? Like, you want, like, thou art? And then, and know what kills me about that? I'll just go on a little tangent here for a second. KJV uses the newest, the newest manuscripts, which would be the most inaccurate manuscripts, where we, we use the ESV, but we're not going to be a slave to the ESV. We like to use the older translate, the older manuscripts, which would be more accurate to the original text. Like, it, blows, it blew my mind. But they were making the translation of the Bible their end-all, be-all, as whether or not they would come to our church. That is, again, an element of preference. How much do we want to elevate preference? Because you know who's not fighting over the translation of the Bible? You know who's not fighting about music? 
You know who's not fighting about how they should pray? Our unbelieving friends. They're not spending time fighting about this. You know who also isn't fighting? When we pray for one and we see someone come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they're not fighting. When they first say yes to a relationship with Jesus, they're not fighting over these things. Because you know what this squabbling does? It deters us from the truth of the gospel. And so Paul is fighting this with all of his heart because it's not worth looking at circumcision and taking our focus off of Jesus. Keep the focus on Jesus and everything else will work itself out. That's what legalism does. It takes what could be a good thing and when it becomes everything, it's legalism because Jesus is everything. And so he, he concludes this, this brief section by saying, and, and from those who seem to be influential... That what, what they were makes no difference to me. I love Paul. Uh, God shows no partiality. Uh, those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. Paul, Paul is saying added nothing to me because what they're saying doesn't add to his gospel message. Paul is viewing what he's saying about the gospel to be complete. And so they're not adding anything to his gospel message. Uh, on the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, uh, for he who worked through Peter for his uh, apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through uh, through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas, uh, that's Peter, and John, who, who seemed to be pillars, perceived uh, the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and, to the circ- and they to the circumcised. They only asked this one thing. Remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do. So these Judaizers who's, who's fighting Paul looked at Paul as an imposter and looked at the big three as, as the pinnacle of the faith. You had Peter, you had John, you had James. They are the ones that can decide this, and Paul is just an imposter. And so Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem anyways. I don't need their endorsement for the gospel message, but since I'm there, if it's going to help me proclaim the gospel, I might as well get their endorsement. And here's what happens. They say, you go do you. You're preaching the same gospel message just to a different target audience. The message is the same. The whom is different. Peter and his homeboys can, can preach to, the, to, his, to his Jewish friends. And, and Paul, you and Titus, you go do your, your, your Gentile thing, your uncircumcised thing. It's the same gospel message. It's the same. You're saying the same thing. You're just, your target is different. Imagine what a blow that was to the Judaizers who expected Paul to be stripped of his ministry. And yet he leaves with an endorsement. He wasn't stripped of his ministry. He was encouraged. And they said one thing. They said, love the poor. Love the poor. They're not adding this as something for the gospel. They're not saying, if you're a Christian, you must love the poor. What they're, they're, this, isn't, this isn't be saved by loving the poor. They're saying, if you are saved, then you're going to be a natural result is that you're going to be generous. That's why we celebrate generosity here at Wellspring Church. Because we think God has been eternally generous to us, and so it's our joy to be generous with our finances. It's our joy to put on relentless love week. It's our joy to, to after here, you're going to go outside, and you're going to be invited to, to paint a little tote bag because we're going to go to the farmer's market. We're going to put a God loves you card in each tote bag. We're going to paint, uh, paint creatively each of these tote bags, give it out at the farmer's market just for free as people are going around buying whatever they're buying and because, you know, plastic and whatnot. And so we're going to give them a free tote bag. 
just to show kindness and love. We believe in generosity because it represents our God very, very well. And so they're saying this not to, not to add to the gospel message. They're saying this because, because they want to, to be loving and, and having accepted the gospel message. This better be something that they want to do. So for me, I want to be liberal in my love of people and conservative in my theology. See, a church can have all of its theological T's crossed, its I's dotted, but, but really hate getting their hands dirty and loving people? Is that the church you want to be a part of? Uh, do, do, you, do you want to be a person that says yes to Jesus, but is always unwilling to love on people? Does that represent your God? What they're saying by this is that right doctrine demands right practice. That's what these pillars in Jerusalem are, are, are ultimately saying, that Christians should be the most generous, self-sacrificial people on the planet. Because that's our Jesus. And so we, we have somebody here that loves fighting for the gospel message. They, I, I want to fight the gospel message. I want you fighting the gospel message. And one of the first times I met Mary Ann Johnson, I'm going to brag on her for a second. I didn't tell her this because she probably would have told me no. And... Uh, but I, I'm bragging on her for a second. One of the first times I met her, she gives me a business card to say, this is the ministry I'm a part of. You know what her ministry is? I've never heard of a ministry like this. She goes to, like, the, she, she gets into the goth community. The, like, they wear all black and, like, black eye makeup and stuff. She goes to their, I don't know if it's festivals or parties. I don't know what their terminology is. She goes to their gatherings and, uh, and loves to tell them about Jesus. I love that. She's fighting for the gospel just like I'm fighting for the gospel, but she has a different target group. Your one that you're praying for might look different than my one. But are you fighting for the gospel? Because here might be our instinct. What, what if God brings revival in the goth community? You know what could happen here in a few months? We could have hundreds of people sitting here dressed in all black with eye makeup. Would we start to squabble and complain? Oh, they're dirty. They're unholy. That's dark. That's unspiritual because of the way that they're dressing. Jesus says that you'll never thirst again, you'll never hunger again, and black is thinning. What if they're just wearing the black to hide that Jesus is like, I'm going to completely fill you? <laughs> we should welcome them in. If she brings revival, if God uses her to bring revival to the goth community, we welcome that. Because we're not going to elevate our preference of dress over the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And when God when Jesus is the God when Jesus is our focus, tattoos, songs, lighting, clothing, that just is a distraction to the gospel message. You and I, I want our big thought for the morning to fight for the integrity of the gospel. I want you and I fighting for the integrity of the gospel. Here's two practical ways to know how to fight for the integrity of the gospel. The first thing is in your passion for truth, which is good, keep the end goal in mind. Paul could have come into Jerusalem, come, come strolling in on a scene just like this. Come strolling in and, and, and came in guns a-blazing. Maybe came into to a square, uh, 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 the center of the town, maybe just like this, and called for a public spectacle which would have hindered the gospel. But with the end goal in mind, he met with these pillars privately. 
and said, we need to settle this issue now once and for all, and they did. They didn't make a public spectacle of it. They settled the issue in private. Paul was prudent in his way of fighting the gospel message. He kept the end goal in mind. So you and I, as we fight for the integrity of the gospel, we need to keep the end goal in mind. And all those illustrations that I've listed, I didn't spend the time debating them. I was like, this ain't worth my time. I got a church to lead and a gospel to proclaim to a community. I'm going to go out, go out, th- go at it that way. We need to keep the end goal in mind. The second thing is, is that we need, in our passion for right doctrine, we cannot neglect right living. So you and I, as, as, we, as we come alongside believers in Jesus Christ, we need to extend to them the grace that has been extended to us. We can't overcomplicate things. As we're, as we're sharing the gospel with people, we can't share, hey, here's Jesus, here's the gospel message. Now here's 35 things that you need to change about your life and complicate the gospel message. We can't expect them to live exactly like we are living overnight. We have to, we have to keep Jesus the focal point and not hold them hostage to our rules and regulations. So if you're a parent, are, do you want your kids to live more like you or more like Jesus? Are you fighting for them to live more like you or fighting for them to be more like Jesus? It, it changes your approach. But there is an element where we're coming alongside another and keeping Jesus as the end goal. I want Ava. I want my boys. I want Reagan. I want you and I. I'm going to be careful with my approach, but here's what I want. Jesus Christ has died for you and set you free so that you can live like Jesus. Not, that, not so you can live a better version of your old self. I want you to fall in love with Jesus Christ. I want you to become more and more like Jesus. That's the focus. The way we go about it, I'm not going to put rules and regulations on you. I want you to fall more in love with Jesus with the end goal. Become more like Jesus. And so we have this church that is, is a lot like us in, in a lot of its uh, philosophy of ministry. It's a church that has some doctrinal differences, but I'm going to brag because here's how this applies. If, if we take this truth, then, then we're not going to view other churches as competition. If they're preaching the true gospel, then we're ecstatic that they're preaching the true gospel. And so let me brag on Vital for a second. We've prayed for them, and, and I, I talk to Pastor Murphy at Vital Church often. Can I tell you something awesome about them? When we started off as a church, you want to know one of, the, one of the, the first big donations that we received? It was Vital Church for $1,000. Because they met with us, they heard my heart, and they knew that we were preaching the gospel. Pastor Murphy's point was that if, if God can use us to, to raise to raise the tide of the religious landscape to, in, 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 our, in Tom's River, if the community can fall more in love with Jesus, as the tide rises, all churches rise. As the tide rises, all churches win as people become more sensitive to the needs of Jesus Christ. And so if, if we win, they win. If they win, we win because the church wins. I don't care. If it's a gospel-believing church, if God magnifies and builds into their ministry, I worship and I celebrate God because that's a good thing. 
our heart is to fight for the integrity of the gospel message. And so I'm thankful for some of the churches that we are partners with in this community, willing to sacrifice what they're doing for the gospel message. And so we're just going to do our thing. It's not better. It's just different at times. And so we're going to paint tote bags on the way out. This week, we're going to we're gonna bring, bring goodies to police officers and things of that nature. Next week, we're going to give out free Ritas as we hopefully have new people coming to our church. We are going to this week love our community in a practical way. And so as we fight for the gospel, here's what I think we should do. We shouldn't use prayer as a last resort, but we should use prayer as a first resort. And so my challenge to us this week as you fight for the integrity of the gospel message is take a 24-hour fast. Take 24 hours to pray as we are every single day going out in the community proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. Will you join me by starting in prayer? taking 24 hours to fast and come before God and say, God, we need your help proclaiming your name. Good deeds is good and all, but God, we want your name to be proclaimed through this. And so my challenge is, would we take this serious enough to fast for 24 hours to pray, God, make yourself famous. This week, magnify our efforts that thousands are reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when he answers that prayer, May we be led to worship as our unbelieving friends come here and hopefully God uses us to say, here's Jesus, here's freedom. Find it, take it. Let's worship. Thank you so much for watching. If this was your first time with us, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you call Wellspring Church home, different ways to give are listed in the video description below. And please subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, and this YouTube channel to be kept up in all the newest content from Wellspring Church.